All right, three, two, one, and we're live. What's up, Ariana? Nothing much. How are you? Good, how are you? A little tired, but uh, pushing through it. Only got like another, what, three weeks? Yeah. You're excited, right? You only got another three weeks of your undergraduate career. It's coming fast. How's it feel? It's scary. Yeah. I have to like start life, but even though I'm starting a master's, I'm not really starting life, but... So it you're going to be here like for it. two years, right? Mm-hmm. And what are you studying? I am in undergrad for exercise science with a minor in Holocaust and genocide studies. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I I didn't even know we had that until... I get that a lot. ...registration. Yep. I was like, Holocaust and gender studies? Genocide. Genocide. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. But those are fun. It is interesting. I mean, I shouldn't. I don't know if I should say that. Somebody's probably going to take that I as a soundbite. I find it but fun, but, you know, I wouldn't say fun. It's interesting. Well, World War II is one of my interests. Oh, yeah. Me too. Um, my grandfather actually came here during World War II from Czechoslovakia. So I guess that's oh. where a lot of my interests kind of came from. But Did he, like, escape or, like? Um, Kind of. They left, like. Czechoslovakia right around the Nazi invasion um, in 1939, I think. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is he still alive? No. He oh, okay. passed in 2017, I think. Got to. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sure, like, did you have conversations with him about it? Um, Not really. He still yeah. lived in New York. Really? Um, but, yeah, we would talk on the phone, like, at least once a week. Did he have an accent? Uh, no. Um wow. I think it's because he came here so young. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess he was like a, a child, right? Yeah, he was, I don't know, at most five, six when he came here. Um, but he didn't know any English. So Whoa. the English that he learned was at school, sitting in class. And he, like, grew up in New York? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, came in through Ellis Island and Whoa. worked his way up in New York. What a story. I know. Came NYPD. Like every so he unit. became a police officer mm-hmm. in New York. Yep. Crazy stories. Whoa. Did he do like anything with 9-11? No, he was already retired um, at that point. Yeah. Um, my dad's the youngest of six kids. So plus he was born Dang. in the 30s. So yeah. <laughs> if that tells you how old uh, yeah. my grandparents were. but <clears throat> I was asking because like I was watching a documentary about 9-11 mm-hmm. and there was a lot of retired firefighters, a lot of police officers, a lot of EMS guys that were retired who actually like got up out of retirement and like showed up at Ground Zero for Mm -hmm. three, four years with the recovery process and the rebuilding stage. Oh yeah, I mean, it's very common. Um, Two of my dad's uh, friends are actually NYPD um, and they retired from 9-11. Whoa. Yeah. Have you ever been up there? They have some cool stories. Oh yeah. they're from Long Island. My parents are from Long Island. Um, so I've done trips back and forth growing up. Yeah. My mom is from uh, Binghamton in upstate. Yep. And then my brother's from Manhattan. Okay. So um, I actually took a trip up there by myself. Um, I think it was, it was back in 2018, mm-hmm. early 2019. Um, and I actually went to Ground Zero. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever been in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember standing at the north the North Tower Fountain mm-hmm. um, on the exact side where the plane hit. And 
you know, as a kid, like you like, you don't really grasp the nature of it, right? And as, the older you get, you start to understand what it is. I guess it's kind of like, like Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. We we obviously weren't alive for Pearl Harbor, so we don't have the same understanding that that generation had. Right. But I remember when I was standing at the fountain at the North Tower, it was almost supernatural. Oh yeah, it's a different feeling for sure. Yeah. Um, I've been probably I'd say like around three, four times. Yeah. Um, we always just make a point to go just because it's a respect thing, I guess, yeah. in our family. Um, have you ever been to the museum? Uh, yeah. So I got to go downstairs, mm-hmm. and you, I mean, just walking. It's so hard down the stairs. It 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 almost feels like this sacred place you're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like you're almost in a way trespassing. I agree. You know, because I mean, I, a lot of people think of it as this like tourist attraction. That's a grave site. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where, you know, I'm, I, I won't get into the details and the graphics of it, but like, you know, people were like disintegrated mm-hmm. because of that. And it's, that's like people's last known breathing grounds. Yeah. You know, and I mean, just the people around me, you know, it's like, I, I try to be very reverent when I'm in places like that. One of my favorite places is in D.C. Um, well, technically Ar- Arlington over at the mm-hmm. National Cemetery yeah. where they have the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And the Sentinels, are, they don't mess around. I agree. Like, yeah. they, they, like, you know, they're there 365 days, mm-hmm. no matter what. And these people were kind of laughing. And this guard, like, turns around and he's like, it's requested that everyone maintains an atmosphere of silence and respect. And there's videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Dude, shut up. Like, why can't you guys just show some respect for a small section of time out of your day? And it's like there's kids, like, playing on the railings of the fountains, and it's just like, it's like get off, get I off. Think, I think that's a huge problem in our society and culture right now. Yeah. Um, it just feels like everybody thinks the world revolves around them, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't. And people don't really take the time to respect other people. Um it's just common courtesy, and I think we've lost a lot of it. Um, but I agree with you. I think Arlington does a very good job of it. Um, I think the museum in New York does a very good job of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, like, respect signs around, mm-hmm. posted around. But I think, like, once you actually go into the museum and people realize, like, how bad it was, yeah, y- you realize it kind of gets silent the further you go into the museum, which is a good thing. But it's not a good thing because of how tragic it was. But Yeah, I mean, you, it's not one of those places where you can just go and walk out and feel like you just accomplished something. It doesn't feel like that. No. It, you, I mean, I remember going in, and I was by myself. And, like, I came out, and I, you couldn't help but be moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went, I went a few times for a travel softball tournament, Um and we take, like, the day on our off day to go to the city and stuff and sightsee for people who haven't been. Um, and I cry every time I go there, even mm-hmm. though I know, like, what section it is or, like, what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. We still walk away, like, with tears. I think it's always the recordings part. Yeah. Like, when they play the recording of, like, Flight 93 and oh yeah, everybody's voicemails, that one, like, really makes you realize how serious it was yeah Yeah, i mean i after the first time i went to new york 
and I started seeing all these 9-11 documentaries, you start seeing clips of places that you were at, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'd be like, oh, shoot, I walked by that store. I walked by that tree. Mm-hmm. And it re- that's when it really started to resonate, like, what exactly happened there. Yeah. And just how serious. And how, not, not to mention, like, the, the magnitude of the scale of just how much that that section that borough of the city was affected, right? Like it's it wasn't just I mean, and, and this is common sense, but it wasn't just like where the towers were. It's I mean, it was blocks and blocks and blocks away. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I do Spartan races, right? I don't think I could have outrun that cloud. No, nobody could. Yeah, and it's it's just it's sad, but I think it's an important part of our history. But unfortunately, like. I wish we could go back to that type of patriotism. I agree. I was about to say the same thing. Um, I mean, I remember, I think it was, because my mom's birthday is on the 12th of September. Oh, my dad's is the 26th. Oh, nice. <laughs> and that was a dark, that's always a dark time for her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because she is from upstate. Mm-hmm. And I remember as, as, like, as kids, it was weird because, you know, we would come out and, like, it was almost like when COVID first hit or when people weren't really out, yeah. you know, but there was flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody had ribbons on. There was flags in every single yard and the country was just so much more united than what it is now. I agree. Um, I guess, I guess nine 11 was a big part of why my parents were like so patriotic raising me and my brother. Um, just because my dad used to work in the city, um, he has a few friends NYPD, and like he wanted to join the military, and he just wouldn't pass like a physical um, for like eyesight and stuff. Um, so he always felt like he needed to show extra respect towards nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember growing up, like I played travel softball. I went and played softball at College of Charleston, and Every weekend we'd play on like a 9-11 tournament and on our way to the tournament, he would pull over at the like times that the towers were hit and like stop the radio and we'd take Mm -hmm. a minute of silence and then we'd continue. Whoa. Pretty much almost every year. Yeah. That's pretty serious. Yeah. We always have a flag up at our house. (coughs) Yeah. My mom does. She, um, I mean, every apartment I've ever had, I've, had the American flag over my bed. That's a good thing. So, because you know, like in the part of the Star Spangled Banner when it says that our flag was still there, mm-hmm. like every time I wake up and I see the flag, I like think of those words. My mom's always had flags and stuff, and my mom's very patriotic. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like the 4th of July, she'd come down the stairs and have her American flag shirt on and this big old hat, and mm-hmm. she'd be playing like, you know, the military orchestra like you know yeah hail to the chief and stuff like that um so but i because of that the way i was raised the every time i hear something like the national anthem i mean i immediately stop oh yeah it's a again a respect thing yeah um for your country for the what the flag stands for yeah um again i think a lot of people lost that well i mean so at carowinds um I used to be a security officer there last summer and you know I would open a lot. And before we'd let people into the 
the park, we would play the national anthem right as the gates were opening. That's awesome. And all of us, you know, all of us in uniform would turn around and, you know, salute the flag. And But people would just keep walking and acting like they didn't hear it. And they would see us stand, you know, and some people would stop, you know. And I always respected there was parents with, like, their kids. And they'd be like, shh, stop, stop. Look, they're looking at the flag, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. But then there was just, like, people like, oh, let's take pictures, you know. And I would, I, there was actually one time where this family actually ran up and took a picture with me while I was saluting the flag. That's ridiculous. And I literally looked, I was like, get away. Yeah. Like, get away. You know, um, which is sad. Yeah. The, and it's like now, like a lot of places, uh, I like that they still play the national anthem for our sports games. Oh, I agree. Like everything at UNC Charlotte, they play the national anthem for. Mm-hmm. Because you played softball for a while, right? Oh, yeah. I went and played at College of Charleston, too. Well, so you went there before you came here? I did. Why'd you transfer? You don't have to say it, but... Let's just say there was diplomatic differences Mm -hmm. (laughs) between coaching staff and players and treatment and... That's fair. ...budgeting. There was a lot of issues, but... That's fair. Yeah, I um I miss playing baseball. I played for four years, and then the pandemic really, yeah, split us all up. Um, but it's hard being a college athlete. It is. Um, people say it's a full time job. It's more than a full time job. It's really your life. Um, there's so many rules that an athlete has to follow that you just don't think of in your everyday life. Like, I can't. I couldn't be photographed in Nike. Just stuff like Whoa. that, and it be posted. Um, I had to wear Under Armour if I was going to be photographed in athletic wear and post it on Instagram or Twitter or any social media. Um, you can't post about certain players. It's just like little things that dictate how you live your life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you see, like, YouTube videos of, like, day in the life of college athletes but I think that doesn't really tell you the whole story it doesn't cut it like my day would start with a workout at 6 a.m or if we were doing like a beach workout that day uh but those were fun they were terrible we did marine workouts marine workouts on the beach yeah like sit-ups into the waves type deal I've done a couple of those it's probably not like as intense it was crazy like sprinting into the waves, sprinting out. It was. Did ridiculous. you lock arms and do the whole? Oh yeah. Hey oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool though. I mean, it was an experience. It gave you like memories, I guess, of it. But at the time, it sucked. I'm sure because Charleston gets warm in the morning. Yeah. Charleston's so, one of my favorite spots. So like we would have our conditioning at Patriots Point in Mount Pleasant. Oh my god, it's an at, amazing like, spot. At six in the morning. Okay. <laughs> Did you run up to the USS Yorktown? No. Um, that would have been We cool used to write. actually have to run the bridge. Um, oh, that's not but a But they bridge. took that away <laughs> because too many people, like, got hurt doing it. Did you ever go I- up into the Yorktown? No. What? Um, I know. It's so cool. Like, I, I say I didn't have time. Like, you don't have time. <laughs> it is. It's huge. Um, it's as humongous. an athlete to, like, have any life. Like, yeah. it, it's hard to have a friend that's not an athlete. Um, I made a few, but 
Um, we yeah, we would just hang out together or like with the baseball team because we shared like common areas in our locker rooms. But yeah, no, I get that. I mean, when I played baseball, that was that was my squad, right? Oh like, yeah. I mean, we didn't really have friends outside of baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, our practices were six days a week. Yep. And if our coach was in a bad mood, sometimes it was seven days a week. Yep. Um, and then you have like workouts in the morning, conditioning on top of that, and then practice. And then I was somehow roped into being a catcher. So I would have to show up to practice early Yeah. for bullpen sessions for like yeah. an hour or two. And then practice after that on top of it. And you have study hall hours, mandatory, mm-hmm. um, depending on your grades. Um, it's just all the little things you don't think about. Like, I lived with five other teammates, too. Whoa. <laughs> so, we were with each other more than 24 hours a day, it felt like. Yeah. If that's possible. No, I totally get that. I mean, I was a, a pitcher for my team, and it was a recreational team, but it was a serious recreational team you know mm-hmm. there's some recreational teams that are just like well eh, whatever bars was serious i mm-hmm. mean we won the national championships four years in a row and um so our coach took it seriously and you know being my best friend was the catcher you know he's still my best friend he lives in key west florida but um we were the first ones there and we were the last ones to leave and there was so many practices where we didn't even shower we went straight from practice soaking wet sweaty dirty nasty clothes to study hall did homework for two or three hours sometimes four depending on the workload and by then it's like 10 or 11 o'clock at night you're so hungry and so tired you know we would go and just like drink a protein shake go to bed wake up at five o'clock in the morning be at the gym do it again the next day yep yeah it was brutal yep um I would leave conditioning at like seven thirty eight whenever we finished, and I had eight a.m. classes um, to fit around our practice schedule and stuff. And I'd walk in with like grass all up my legs, like still sweating, like face red, showing up to class. Um, so, do yeah. you think that <coughs> do you think that it's harder to be a female athlete in college versus a male athlete? I wouldn't say it's harder or easier. Um, I think it just depends on your sport, the culture around your sport, um, who your trainer is dictates a lot of that, um, because you're with them at least two hours a day, um, working out some teams stress conditioning more than others. Um, your coaches, your coaches create the culture for your team too. um, it's it's a lot of different factors. I wouldn't say it's easier or harder because um, everybody has their own issues to deal with, I guess. Do you think there's a higher level of expectation for female athletes in college than men? What do you mean by expectation? Um, like I was reading a, an article from um, Harvard about, you know, female athletes go through a lot more stuff medically than men do when they're in college. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm an exercise science major. Right. Um, and I'm going to do a master's in, like, biomechanics analysis. Um, so that's, like, my thing, injuries and stuff. Because um, the, the article I read was talking about how women are more prone to not necessarily external injuries, but they're more prone to things like heart failure in college, like right. playing baseball. 
or playing softball. You know, I think it was like 42% of female athletes at one point or another struggle with like asthma and like, Mm -hmm. you know, internal, you know, respiratory style conditions. Yeah. Do you think that expectation wise, it's hard for females to kind of fight back against some of the, the, the medical aspects of being an athlete? Uh, for sure. Um, there is still that stigma of like power through, um, Mm. in sports, at least on with our trainer and stuff. Like I'm asthmatic and running in 60 to 70% humidity in the mornings when the air's wet is tough. Um, and there's that expectation. If you don't make it, you're out. Like you have to pass this test to be able to play. Um, but I do think females are more injury prone, um, Mm -hmm. just from like body comp, hormone differences, um, just the way our bodies are built. Um, but I, I think men experience a lot of the same things too. Um, I think a lot of it comes from overwork, um, overuse. Yeah. You get like no recovery time. Your recovery time is the two hours, three hours you're sitting in study hall, and then the four or five hours you get to sleep that night. Yeah. Um, I I think there just needs to be a culture shift in, like, pro or college athletics. Um, Your body just needs time, even if it's just mentally you need time. Do you think that as far as, you know – college athletes because obviously we're still in college but do you think that college athletes need some sort of mandatory recovery requirement you know whether it's like because I mean when I used to pitch you know I would have to wait three days before pitching again Mm -hmm. you know and that was mandatory like there was no it didn't matter if like lightning struck the other three pitchers like I couldn't do it. Right. There is that for baseball. Um, I know there is. Um, And I know the NCAA mandates that you're only supposed to have like 20 hours of team organized practice or conditioning, weightlifting, et cetera. Really? um, A week. But everybody goes over it. Yeah. Everybody goes over 20 hours. Um, And you're supposed to get one day off of the week from everything. So like no workouts, no team practice or anything. Um, But that one day... So is that strictly for athletics and not, I mean, like they're saying you can only do 20 hours of. That's mandated per the NCAA. So, but you still have to do like homework. It's not like you have to take like a solid day off where you do absolutely nothing. You sit in a hammock. Oh and yeah. Do yeah. No. Um, even on our off days, sometimes we'd have a lift that we'd have to go to. Yeah. Um, that's just from like team organized practice out of field. Yeah, because, I mean, I remember when when I played baseball, I could not not throw each day. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe in the off-season, right? But, like, during the season, I could not just not throw. Like, I had to go out and throw at least 20 or 30 pitches a day. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, my arm would get so stiff to the point where I couldn't throw anymore. Yeah. You know? But I I didn't know that there was a requirement for that. Yeah. There's... Hour limits by the NCAA, nobody really follows them. Um, yeah, it's just little rules like that. Um, Not to mention there's also academic requirements, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, 
I can't remember what ours were. Um, we have, so like, at least how Charleston ran it, um, we'd show up at the beginning of the year, we'd get a binder of like rules, like team rules, drinking wise, um, team rules on like what you can and cannot wear, um, what our practice days are going to be, what our off days are going to be, what times everything will be run. Um, and you just kind of, that's like your Bible. You go by those rules. You have to show up for your study hall hours. Um, I know freshman year it was like mandated that every freshman had 10 hours of study hall, I guess, to like build the habit. Oh, um, that's a lot. It is. Um, and they're like monitored study hall hours, too. So there's right. someone in there like making sure you're actually doing work. You have to like clock in and like yeah. clock out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then depending on your grades, um, you're able to work out like a different hour limit with your advisor. Um, that's assigned to you guys, but it's crazy because so I'm not like a big football fan, but I know like how big college football is. Mm-hmm. And you just think, like, if we're talking about this on, like, a softball, baseball level, like, imagine what college football athletes go through mm-hmm. at bigger schools like Auburn and, like, LSU and Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's, like, different, again, because every coach is responsible for their players' culture and how they run the team and what expectations they're going to set for you. Um, but I know, like, say Alabama, there's an expectation that you have to have good grades. Um, yeah, I mean, I can almost, like, I would assume that they have some sort of like scheduler that comes in and helps these guys like schedule the every hour. Oh yeah. Like so that was our advisor's job. Um, <laughs> she'd, you'd have a meeting with her once a week, uh, just to see how you're doing and everything. Um, and then say like come registration time, she'd sit with you, go over what classes you had to take, which ones fit around your practice schedule. Um, which ones, you could take online just so it's easier on you. Um, and then she'd sign you up for them. And then block out saying, okay, your coach has said you have practice from this time to this time, uh, these days of the week. So these are classes you're going to take. Oh. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our our coach, he actually, like, he m- had us maintain a 3.25. And that's pretty generous. Most like I don't think ours was set that high. Really? <laughs> I think for most college athletics it's around like I think three is considered good. Yeah. Well um, he was just a very strict coach. Like he was the def he's like one of those movie coaches. Yeah. Right. And he was like, you know, baseball is secondary. It's like you can go play for any team you want to. But yeah. you, if you miss out on it and you drop out of college, it's not a, not a high chance you can go back. Yeah. And he's like, this is your future. Yeah. You know? And he held us to a higher standard. And, like, there would be times, like, he'd be like, well, what were you guys doing last night? Oh, okay, well, then you got time tonight. And it'd be like 11 o'clock at night. And he'd yeah. be like, make a study in the locker room. Yeah, we had a <laughs> – wasn't me. I wasn't part of this group, but um, there was some drinking rules broken. Um, our drinking rules was no alcohol, 24 hours before practice, team workout, conditioning, etc. And then um, no alcohol, um, 48 hours before a game. Um, a few people were caught going to bars 
within the 24-hour rule of practice. Um, but do you think that that is as big of a deal? It, I, I mean, I understand that, like, it's all, it's not so much as about the rule as it is to following that rule, right? Like, it's I think those are more designed to build structure. I agree. But do you really think, like, drinking alcohol before a game is that – or, like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go out there, like, 45 minutes before a game and be hammered in left field or whatever. Oh, yeah, baseball team did it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the pitchers had, like, part-time jobs as, like, being a bouncer. But um, – Not – UNCC's baseball team. No, 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 no. Let's. <laughs> let <laughs> I wanted to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, let, let's clarify. It was Charleston. Um, but Charleston will just throw them under the bus. That's fine. Yeah, uh, nobody cares about them. I, I haven't. I mean, I don't drink. I haven't drank in almost two and a half years, but so I don't miss it. But yeah, I mean, our center fielder, his name was Lance, and he, I mean, that kid used to like drink hard, and then he only weighed like 110 pounds. And he was like six five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think like drinking before. Like, I don't either. I mean, if you go to lunch the day of a game and you have a seven o five game or a six o'clock game, and you go to lunch at eleven thirty, twelve, mm-hmm. and you have a beer, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I don't either. I think it was just like a standard that they tried to set. I, yeah, I don't think it's gonna mess up your performance. I I mean. And Depends I could be on wrong. how hard you go. <laughs> I mean, if you have a beer, e- right? Like a you have beer? Like a, no, it's not going to affect If you. you go and have like a hard cider with like a burger, yeah. you go out and get like a lamb burger or something, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, you know? I agree. I thought it was ridiculous, but. But I mean, if you're doing shots, I mean, first of all, if you're doing shots at like noon. <laughs> I mean, There's some people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have a friend, he, um. He, like, starts drinking at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning on his off days. And I'm like, and that's actually kind of late for him. He's like, man, I'm getting a late start. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't do it anymore, man. No. Um, yeah. Do you drink? I, I do. I do. Um, I don't go crazy. Maybe, like, once a week yeah. if I'm out with a friend. But Do you think the further you get, obviously, I know you're not speaking for everybody, but since you are about to graduate, do you think that, when you're a freshman, you like walk in, and you're like, man, this is like it's party time. Like you're like, all right, let's do it, right? I think it was a little different for me because I did go in as an athlete. Yeah. Um, I had rules set in place. Yeah. Um, also, you're just so tired. Yeah. From going all day. Because drinking is its own sport. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I don't understand how like on our one off night that we could go out, people would go out, and I'm like, I'm just too tired. I'd I'd rather lay in bed and watch a movie. Yeah, but um, I mean, I enjoy going out having a drink, but I'm it's like one or two. Um, I do think as you get older, the fascination runs out. I was gonna say like I'm part of the sober is cool movement. Okay, but I'm I'm you're not the first person I met that I'm way ahead of the game though. I'm two (laughs) and a half years ahead of the game. Okay, I got sober during the pandemic. Okay, well, I attempted to. Um, so while, you know, like when we went into lockdown, like everybody was drinking, you know, I'd like see on Facebook and stuff like that. Like people would be drinking and it'd be like, it's like nine 30 in the morning. Yeah. Like so my sleep schedule's all messed up. It's mm-hmm. time for a cocktail. It's five o'clock. I'll be like, okay. Like I get it. See, right? it was a little different for me because, um, when COVID hit, I was still at Charleston playing. Um, 
and we actually we you know we saw the news and everything but we're like oh it's just a another flu or whatever from china (laughs) and um (laughs) we weren't worried about it the chinese virus exactly (laughs) um so we all like we're at the field we got dressed out for practice we're walking down with our equipment and stuff to the field and then as we're walking to the field and setting up um one of the athletic directors i guess came up to us and we're like they were like you have to leave the field you're not allowed on the field and all of us are like, <laughs> what's the deal? And we had, like, this huge meeting, like, up in our clubhouse saying, like, oh, COVID hit. Like, we're sending you guys home. Um, like, start packing. You can't, like, stay in the dorms. You oh. have to, like, yeah. That's, like, when lockdown hit and we were on our way to practice. <laughs> and the oh. baseball team actually just left in the bus for an away game. Um, and they had to turn around at the stoplight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I was um I was in community college back in Asheville. Mm-hmm. And um <coughs> my politics professor, he was like, "Yeah, I think like you guys aren't coming back like after spring break." And like you know, I was still in my drinking phase. That was the one class I actually showed up to kind of buzzed. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't really believe him. And so we had practice the Friday before spring break. And our coach was like, yeah, guys, I think we're done for the season. And I laughed. I thought he was kidding, right? Like, uh, you know. Yeah. And he's like, we're serious. I was like. Yeah, all of us were, like, so you know. confused on why we well, were having a meeting about this. Yeah, and, well, me and my best friend, who's my catcher, us, our first baseman and our center fielder, we were all going down to Fort Lauderdale for spring break because mm-hmm. we were going to go surfing and, like, do our thing. And that Saturday, it was, like, 6 a.m., and we're getting ready to go jump on a plane. Like, we're in the airport. Like, at the ticket booth. And, like, behind, like, the lady that's, like, punching our tickets out, like, is, like, you see, like, all the cruise ships docking. Because that's where they docked, like. Yeah. And it's, like, cruise ship, you know, confirmed COVID on board. Yeah. Ship is locked down. I was, like, guys, this isn't a great idea. <laughs> I was, like, maybe we shouldn't go. Yeah. Because I got nervous. I didn't want to get stuck. Mm-hmm. That was the point because yeah. I knew, like, I did know that if you caught it, you had to be quarantined for, mm-hmm. like, two weeks. And I just didn't want to go down there and be, like, in some random hotel, like, be, like, they going to arrest us if we leave? Yeah. Which I th- think is what they were doing there. In Florida? Yeah. Like, in, like, the epicenter, like, where all those boats hmm. were docked. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't have Jacob here to fact check it. But, no, I, um... Yeah, that was a weird time. Yeah, it it was really strange. Like, within a, I think we went home, like, started packing our stuff, and then, like, my dad drove down the next day or the day after, like, two days after they told us that we're done. And I packed all my stuff, and then I had to move back home for a year. I mean, the first week, though, I'm not going to lie, was pretty awesome. Like, the week of spring break, dude, I went so hard. I don't think, think that was the last time. I had drank for like a solid week. But see, like, I went back home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to my parents. So it's like no responsibility, right? Well, a little. I mean, bit, outside of school. Like, but like, yeah. Even then, like, most of my professors were like, "We're dropping this whole section of the." Pretty much, like one of my classes was yoga. <laughs> she tried. <laughs> she she tried to do online yoga classes. Realized it didn't work, and yeah. just said, "You know what? Yeah, your finals just sending me a video of you doing yoga." I was gonna say that's like 
I can just imagine like seeing a Zoom call with like 30 people on it and it's like, do downward dog or, you know, rise yeah. of the sun. And you're like, wait, I can't see. It's yeah. Yeah. Zoom was a whole beast. Yeah. I, some weird. Because I didn't even stories. have internet. Really? I didn't have internet at the beginning of it. That's crazy. So I was like in my car outside of like, we were, I was on campus, like back at community college in Asheville, like in the parking lot of the library. That's wild. And they like had these emergency like Wi-Fi mobile towers like set up. It was like, I mean, it was like we were all there for class. There was so many people there. It didn't, it, I, that's when I realized how many people actually struggle. Yeah. Because it wasn't like it was just me in my car. There had to be like another 200 people in the parking lot. Really? Using Wi-Fi. That's crazy. Or like I'd drive to Starbucks and park outside of a Starbucks and there'd be people out there using the Wi-Fi. It also comes to show you just like how much we rely on it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's cool. Like a lot of the conversations I have with people are talking about like the technology and stuff like that. It's just kind of wild. I mean, now that we're moving into like this whole artificial intelligence thing. Yeah. Have you seen the new rules for baseball? With AI? Well, it's not necessarily AI, but so they now they have the new like with the, uh, pitch count or they have the pitch timer. Yeah, yeah. But they were talking about by the beginning of next season having a full automatic strike zone. Yeah, I saw something about that for the minor leagues. Yeah. Like testing it in minor leagues. And they were like talking about robot umps. See, that just takes away the whole part of the game though. Yeah, but some umps deserve I mean, to be fired. Some, yeah, some Angel, Angel Hernandez. Hernandez but like <laughs> Everybody who <laughs> plays baseball or softball knows the name yeah. Angel Hernandez, and it's not for a good reason. Um. Yeah, he needs to. I don't understand how he still has a job. But he like, is, but I mean, I like I I play. I mean, I've played some games with some umps that are like definitely being biased. Oh, I have too. Everybody has. But I have never. I mean, I've I've, I've seen some bad calls. Yeah. And like, I, I but I've had umpires apologize to me. Yeah. You know, I, they've like come up to me like, yeah, my bad, dude. I blew that call or I blew that strike or I blew that ball. Like I and like I'm like, yeah, no, it's all good. It happens. Mm-hmm. I never took it personally. Um, but he is by far one of the most narcissistic. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, he is unapologetic. Him and the other guy's name is Ron Culpa. Yeah. The other umpire. Mm-hmm. They are just the most two narcissistic, unapologetic umpires in the game. Yeah. They don't care. I I don't know what it is. Like this this generation of umpires between like 2016 and now have been the worst umpires I have ever seen in my life. I agree. Um, I was actually like my TikTok feed is just overrun by like Yankees content. It's it's unreal. But like I was just watching like the Brett Gardner ejection and everything with Aaron Boone and like it's ridiculous. I mean, you walk away and you get thrown out. Yeah. You don't even say anything. I mean, it's like you 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 may like say, "Oh, that was a BS call," mm-hmm. and you turn around, and that's when they throw you out. Yeah, they like don't even throw the you Manny out. Manny Machado, face. like thing yeah. with the pitch clock and everything. I think Manny Machado is actually pretty good. I, I think, think he's so a great too. player. I mean, I think like he's he's kind of like the way um, uh, Bryce Harper was. Mm-hmm. Younger, they're very good. So of course they're going to be arrogant. I was arrogant when I first started playing. Yeah. But I mean, but I th- these umpires are again, me. yeah, like <laughs> that's where like seventies, eighties baseball needs to come back. Like, oh yeah, be a man. 
I like, mean, even early thousands. Yeah. Like, like, like when. Take it. Like even after 9-11, right? Like I'm not like going to use 9-11, but like, like between like 2003 to like 2000 and I think it was 2012 when the Boston Red Sox first won. Or maybe not, but like I need Jacob yeah. here. But um, like that section, like and not just even in, in baseball, but like basketball, referees, umpires, they were not as soft as they are and so mm-hmm. sensitive. Again, I th- it's just back to the culture, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, even in the NBA. Yeah, and I, I mean, can't stand watching basketball. Because I, don't, I don't watch NBA because it's become yeah. too political. Yeah. But... I mean, if you watch like old school basketball versus like now, mm-hmm. like LeBron. Okay, I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm not either. I'm the guy Michael flops. Jordan all the way. Yeah, I think Michael Jordan is ten or times. Or Kobe. Better. I wish he was still alive. He yeah. was a cool dude. Um, but like they get in like these fouls, they just act like they literally like just broke their neck. I know, and it's, it's like, like soccer and then, flopping. Yeah, and like these these referees are just as bad. Mm-hmm. Like, they're literally just as bad. I agree. But, like, I don't think the fix is going fully automated. Like, that takes away a whole part of the game. Because, like, you can't be too perfect. Do you think that the instant replay rule in in Major League Baseball is worth it? Like, being able to challenge? I agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because games can definitely be won or lost from it. And, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Angel Hernandez (laughs) has, I think... There was one game where he got challenged four freaking times by yeah. both teams. I, like, again, I don't understand how he and he lost every single one. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it was both. I forgot who it was, but it was each team challenged him twice on two different calls, and he lost all of them. That's outrageous. And he still works. Yeah, I don't understand it. Uh, this sounds bad, but he's probably sleeping with somebody. I, I don't know. <laughs> or he's just like <laughs> tenured in. Like he has Maybe. a contract. <laughs> yeah, he I has an know. unterminatable contract. That is that can't a word? Be a thing, though. What? An unterminate? Is that a word? I don't know. Unterminatable? Let's just say tenured. <laughs> yeah. Unterminatable. <laughs> so when you hear Joe Biden say that, then, <sighs> you know, yeah. I said it first. You can't understand anything he says. But, yeah. um. You know who's actually really funny? Is George W. Bush. Yeah. Have you ever, like, I mean, ever since he got out of office, right? Like, yeah. Dude, that guy's living his best life. I know. I saw something where he was, like, he has his ranch in Texas or something. He paints. Yeah, paints. Um, like, he, he speaks has, Spanish like, fluently. Yeah. Uh, like, and he was on, uh, I'm not a big Jimmy Kimmel fan. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, it got too political. It went from being, I used to watch it religiously. I agree. And then he got, after the whole Las Vegas shooting, he mm-hmm. got really political. And I kind of just was like, never mind. But I watched anytime presidents go on mm-hmm. talk shows, I'm right there. And George Bush came out and he was like, the best humor is when you can make fun of yourself. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. And like, I I agree with him. And I think that's why comedy is still kind of winning right now because. You think so? Yeah, I think so. You have people like Bill Burr, who's or, like still not afraid to just say it. Theo Vaughn. Like, Chris Stefano. You know, I I tend to stay away from comedy um, because a lot of I'm not like a big person who sees humor and vulgarity. Mm-hmm. You know, people do, and that's that's fine. Yeah. 
Um, but I tend to like, do you know Jeff Dunham? Yeah. The ventriloquist. Mm-hmm. His stuff is freaking hilarious. Yeah. However, I try to stay consistent, right? Like if I'm not going to watch a- another person who's making fun of Trump or Biden or Bush, you know, and which is what Jeff Dunham does. He makes fun of Trump. He makes mm-hmm. fun of, of of Biden. So I try to be consistent in that and not be hypocritical to where it's like, okay, well, it's not okay for this person to make fun of Trump. But then if Jeff Dunham was over here making fun of Biden, I can't sit there and enjoy that. I agree. Because that's hypocritical for me to do. Mm-hmm. And I try to remain full of integrity when it comes to being disciplined enough to not be a hypocrite when it comes to that. So I'll watch Jeff Dunham, but the minute it starts going into politics, then I'm kind of like, peace out. I Who's agree. Next? But see, like, I think that's kind of where comedy's still winning right now is because mm-hmm. a lot of comedians are just finding what's funny in their everyday life. Even if it does offend some people, like, it doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, whereas everywhere else in our culture, I feel like you're canceled for saying something that's a little that's politically so incorrect. Yeah. But that's the whole point of comedy. Like, if you don't like it, like you said, or if it goes down a road that you don't like, just don't listen. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish people kind of thought more like that. Mm-hmm. The whole cancel culture movement, I think, is just blown up into this. It's almost like, I don't know if you're a Marvel fan, but I love Mm Spider-Man. And in Spider-Man 3, you know, Venom gets so big and powerful and stuff like that because it keeps getting fed, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I look at cancel culture. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You keep, like, feeding it, it's going to overtake you. Well, I think it gave people who didn't have a voice... A voice and it allows people to be outraged just to be outraged um and it gives people a space to complain that they didn't have before yeah um, and sadly it's kind of winning i mean i'm the kind of person where i think you should be able to say do you know feel think whatever you want to right i think there is a fine line between being you know, racist, discriminatory, you know, just being downright nasty to somebody versus being able to say something with some level of civility. I agree. Right. I think, I think, I mean, and unfortunately I blame social media for that. I agree. Because what social media has done, Facebook and Twitter in particular, I don't use Twitter anymore because I got bored with it. It was becoming this news feed slash argument database system. But I think people use their thumbs to their advantage and it creates this, it's almost like the Joker, right? Like you put on this mask and that kind of takes over you being able to argue with somebody. I mean, like I guarantee if, if, we, if I posted chocolate versus vanilla on Facebook and you and I get in the comment section, well, you and I, and let's just say you, you like chocolate, I like vanilla. It's going to get so nasty to the point where we're going to say stuff that we would never even attempt to say to each other's face. Yeah, I agree. And what I, what I can't stand about social media more than anything is that we've now come into a system to where we say things over social media and then we go and see people face to face and we act like it never happened. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We see it like with politicians. Mm -hmm. They go on social media, Twitter and Facebook and whatever it is, and they say the most nasty, horrible, disgusting, vile, insidious things about each other. And then two days later, they're out drinking beer next to the bar. I mean, look at Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's oh, a she said prime some, example. She used to say some nasty. I know. N- I mean, nasty things about him. Yeah, and then and then when they win the election, we did it, Joe. Like, they're best friends. Right. Like, you didn't just totally trash the man in primaries. Right. I mean... Yeah, I mean things like that, and that's that, that's another thing is like it happens in like with politics, it happens in the same parties. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's oh a Democrat is going up against a Republican, right? Like Lauren Brobart is not going up against Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. No, these are like Democrats going up against Democrats and Republicans going up against Republicans on social media, calling mm-hmm. each other horrible, nasty things, talking about people's children, talking about people's you know dead relatives, yeah. and it's and it's this continuous cycle. But then. When the cameras are rolling or when people see them, oh, it's lovely to see you. We're best friends again. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite comedians, Chris Stefano, his dad, I, I think I love him just because it's the old school New York mentality and mm-hmm. that's how my family is. That's kind of what I grew up under. So it's like nostalgic, I guess. Yeah. Um, but his dad is very much old school, old school New York guy. And one of my favorite things that he says about social media is it gave people a voice that shouldn't have had a voice. Like, I'm everybody's supposed to have a voice, right? But not to, like, a public sphere, you know? I, I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but... No, I think you are. Makes like, not everybody's supposed to be a leader. And I think that's what social media is allowing people to be. I think what you're you're trying to get at is everybody is entitled to a voice. But some of the things that people have to say are not appropriate versus what is that kind of what you're saying? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think people that are listening will kind of understand yeah. like what it is that you're trying to say. It's one of those things that yeah, it's hard to explain. Mhm. I mean, it's like, it's like saying criminals should be free, like yeah. murderists and rapists should be free. Yeah, like that's I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, like not everybody's supposed to have that. Right, know. like we've given them the choice, at, chance at freedom. They obviously can't handle it, so they're in a position to where they're being harnessed. Exactly. But I think there's a difference between harnessing people's opinions versus censoring them. Yeah, I think there's a major difference. I agree. And I think. Unfortunately, and we were talking about AI earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, a every I think my opinion, my personal opinion, is we're rushing AI way too fast. We're moving way too quickly with AI. I agree. I think it's cool. Here on campus, we have robots that deliver your food. Like it's awesome, mm-hmm. right? Like it's cool. But I think we're moving far too quickly. Because I don't know if you have you ever done pack bags in your class? No. It's like a discussion forum. Like you post a question, then write like a response to it, and like you find like an article. It's basically mm-hmm. like a discussion post. Yeah. And we have those. And I just wrote one for my international politics class about are we rushing AI too quickly? Mm-hmm. Can AI cause global conflicts? I think so. 
I mean, it's obvious it's going to. Yeah. Because, and I mean, we don't really have, I mean, I'm not a tech person, right? Like I don't, I couldn't even tell you what a firewall is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was pictures about Trump being arrested and then there was like photos of, you know, Biden being held by his wife with a diaper on, you know, it's like all these AI manipulated photos. It's very dangerous. Yeah. What AI is in the process of doing. I agree. Because what happens if we give AI the opportunity to be like involved in our nuclear arsenal? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we discern what's real and what's not? Yeah. Because like it, I was talking with um, my friends, Nathan and Wyatt on one of the previous episodes about, you know, do you guys think I was like, hey, do you guys think planes will be automated at some point? It's like they already are. They are, yeah. Pilots just land them. They they don't even really land them anymore. They just pull them back from, they just drive them onto the tarmac and then they let the plane take over. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have unmanned drones. Yeah. You know, I think transportation is getting ready to move into this unmanned. I mean, there's already like self-driving Ubers, I think, in LA. That's scary. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I'm kind of cynical when it comes to stuff like that. I think like, something like the matrix or you know where ai totally takes over but it's not totally like unimaginable have you seen wally yeah you know like when the ship takes over yeah like the wheel or whatever i forgot mm-hmm. what the, but the captain like tries yeah to that's kind of what i feel like could happen and that's where i feel like if we're not careful that's what's gonna happen yeah like i don't think we would go to war with China based off words. I think we would go to war with China based upon AI getting in the middle of something. It's kind of where we are now. Yeah. I mean, think with the TikTok ban. But it <sighs> that <TikTok>. law <laughs> that that law is a uh, a little more. Do you have a TikTok? I do. I shouldn't. But have you ever read the terms and conditions? No. Who does though? I do. <laughs> We're going to pull this up. I, I should. I, I know waiting. it's not good. I was waiting. This is why I need Jacob. I, um, I'm i going to pull this up because so I had a TikTok in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and Joe Rogan actually had. Oh, yeah, the I've seen him. Terms and conditions. Yeah, I've seen. And him this is by far it. one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. Um. Yeah, he has Theo Vaughn on. <laughs> yeah. Of all people, right? He has Theo <laughs> Vaughn on, and they talk about. It. He's talked about it multiple times, but I was trying to look. Like they can access your camera at mm-hmm. any time. That's crazy. They have access to your bank records, like your contacts, bank records. I'm like, don't put me in your phone. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like at this point. Everything that you've done on the internet is traceable, so... So that was my next argument, right? Like, I mean... Like, I mean, I understand people's wariness about TikTok because it's blatantly doing it. Um, It says it in its terms and conditions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I was trying to pull it up, but... Again, this is why I need Jacob. But, like, at the same time, TikTok is only public about what it's doing 
while all these other apps like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and all these other things have been doing for years. Yeah, and behind the scenes too, and manipulating and right. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, of course we're all worried about like our data going to China. Well, what makes you think Facebook isn't selling that data off to China or hasn't already? Right. Or all these other countries. Well, it's because somehow they're worked in with our government. So this is what it says. It <laughs> says, he, he read it right from his phone. It says, this is from TikTok's privacy policy. We collect certain information about the device you use to access the platform, such as your IP address, user region, mobile carrier, time zone, the model of your device, your screen resolution and operating system, app and file names and types. So all the apps and all your file names, all the things that you filed away on your phone, they have access to that keystroke patterns or rhythms, which means they know every effing thing that you type. Whoa. But I mean, what other app isn't doing that? TikTok is just stating it, right? Right. Well, if it hadn't been for Edward Snowden, we would have never known. Yeah. I mean, that's what's that's what's freaking mind-blowing, right? Is that had it not been for this this guy who worked for the CIA sneaking a thumb drive full of surveillance data files and classified files, yeah. sneaking it out, releasing it to the point where the U.S. government chased him across the world and he has to hide out in Russia. Yeah. Like, we would have never known this stuff. What else don't we know? That's what that's the scary part. Um, that they have an alien AR fifty one. I'd believe that no, with I the don't right think so. evidence. I don't think so. I said this before that like I don't I don't think Area fifty one has aliens. I think it's I don't, a I don't think so either. I think it's a training facility. Um I think like do they have an alien locked up in there? Probably not. Because if they did, like like we'd know about it. so that would have been like another edward snowden thing <laughs> right um but i don't necessarily believe that i mean i think they're probably testing like advanced weaponry in there I agree. it's probably like a training facility i don't know what your, i think your it's like a weapons are. development area highly classified stuff like training and yeah i just i don't know i'm not into that whole conspiracy theory like about Area 51. <laughs> no, and I mean, I think, like, UFOs and stuff like that, I think it's, like, all, like, drones and space junk. Yeah. Do you think aliens are real? No. No. Um, I, I was talking with Zach about this, but I, I think there's other life out there. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, like, intelligent. I don't think it functions the way we do. It could be, like, a bacteria. I make the joke like, oh, what if there's like a little cockroach running around on the far side of the moon? Or awesome. what, what if there's a fly flying around on Mars? Right? Like, Yeah. I mean, maybe. I agree. I think within like at least our own solar system. Um, but what about the rest of the galaxy? Oh, there's... It's just too far for us to even know anything about. I mean... If 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 aliens were real, I would say the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, were probably as close as they could get. I was gonna bring up that conspiracy <laughs> because theory. because like you think about the pyramids, right? Like, yeah, they, it's they just too not, perfect. It's like they are not just like put together with playing cards and chewing gum. I was watching something the other day, 
and it was saying like they still haven't fully explored like the tunnel systems and stuff no. under the pyramids. No. That's crazy to me. And it really wasn't so much as the Egyptians. It was the Hebrews that mm-hmm. the Egyptians kept in, in slavery and mm-hmm. bondage for so long. Like, And I mean, these were not scrawny, unhealthy people. They were in the sense that they were probably like mal- malnourished, yeah. you know, dehydrated, things like that. But these were like people that were built like friggin' stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were massive, muscular, fit. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're moving that. No, okay. Big of a so piece of what is what is it? Limestone? It's yeah. not limestone, but I don't know. It's just from so like a thousand miles or something from a different part of the Nile. I mean, they were showing like they took like a level. And like, you know, like leveled out all the stone. Yeah, the math is like perfect. Yeah, I mean, now if we like, if we took down the pyramids and let's just say like we found like a one inch cube of titanium underneath the pyramids, I I would be like, yeah, that's, that's aliens. Yeah. Because that's hard. Yeah. Like that, that, like. A cube of titanium, like a one inch cube of titanium, mm-hmm. like a, a, a cube of titanium the size of our phones. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. Like you can't just go and do that. I'd be like, oh, that's yeah. Aliens put that there. Yeah. Well, have you seen like the whole argument about like how it's lined up with the equator and like different like seven wonder sites around the world like points and, like, to a certain spot? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was watching something like that. Have you seen the Da Vinci Code? parts of it like in the end like it shows there's like he stands on top of the museum and it shows like an upside down pyramid that yeah. points to like the the gravesite of Mary yeah. Magdalene and people were like oh it points to a particular part in the sky that points to another part in the sky and there was like this conspiracy theory that came out and it was like in the year 2145 I think or 2150 that the sun and the moon will be in perfect alignment with each other, that it will create this shining mirror on all points of the seven wonders of the world. And it would, like, open up a portal to, like, go to a different terrestrial existence. I, I'm not that deep into <laughs> conspiracy theories. I, I just think the math doesn't add up. It was so wild. Like yeah. And, and of course, like the person talking about it was like this elderly guy with glasses, like matted, long hair, yeah. like Tom Hanks from Castaway. And he's like, yeah, the aliens, like there'll be a portal that opens up in 2050, 2150, because the sun and the moon will align and we'll be able to step through the portal and we'll be able to be aliens and extraterrestrial organisms with our bodies. And I was like, okay, what did this guy take? Yeah. Again, yeah. back to like the whole matrix thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't believe in aliens in the sense that like they're yeah. these little green men with big eyes and antennas. Like, I think mean, it's just, I agree, but you also don't know what's out there. 7 billion light years and stuff away. Yeah. But I think it's easier psychologically to say that doesn't exist. I agree. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, even though, like, science, I'm not a astrophysicist or, you know, an astronaut or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, I, I can't describe things even if you ask me to. But those almost seem non-existent. 
even space it's in just, a way feels non-existent. Yeah, it's just incomprehensible. Yeah. It's like going back to what we were talking about earlier at ground zero. Mm-hmm. It's hard to comprehend until you actually see it. Yeah. You know, um, which I, I mean, do I think you and I will ever experience recreational space travel? Maybe. maybe at the very end or maybe at the very beginning. Yeah. I think we're still a long way off from that. I mean, I don't think we're as far as it seems. Didn't, uh, what's his name? Just go up on like a recreational. Jeff Bezos. No. Um, Elon Musk. <laughs> no. Uh, they have their R- own. Richard. Richard something? Brunson. Yeah. Where he he's like trying he to Jeff make Bezos. like, Yeah. He's like trying to make like it. He and uh, Jeff Bezos, they shared a rocket together. Did they? Yeah. I thought they went up separately. I don't know. I think Richard Brunson used Jeff Bezos or vice versa, one or the other. But I mean, they really only went to the atmosphere. They They didn't go out there and like space travel. What'd they get? Like maybe two seconds of floating in zero G? See, I'm talking about like where you will be able to take a rocket from Earth to Mars and come back in the same day. No, I don't see that. I don't think that'll happen in our lifetime. I don't think it'll happen in our lifetime. I think it'll eventually happen. Oh, for sure. I think it may not be the same day it may take. It's going to take like, it, what, three years, it said? To go there and back? At least to go, to go there. I don't think You think three years to get there? Something like that. No, I wouldn't take that long I to need travel. Fact, I need a fact check, but like, <laughs> I know I mean. it's at least like a year to get there, right? I want to Google this because I'm interested. How long does it take <laughs> to fly to Mars? Oh, seven months. Seven months. Yeah. Three year, three years is a little off, but <laughs> seven months. Whoa. Yeah. So and that's traveling at what? It says twenty five thousand miles an hour. Cruise phase. Oh. The cruise phase begins after the spacecraft separates from the rocket soon after launch, which is where yeah, those rockets fall off into the ocean. Mm-hmm. The spacecraft departs Earth at a speed of about twenty four thousand six hundred miles per hour or 39,000 kilometers. The trip to Mars will take about seven months and about 300 million miles. That's crazy. Whoa. I didn't know it takes that long. Can you imagine just being on the road for seven months? And I, I was watching something about, like, possible civilizations being set up on Mars and stuff and how long communication would take to reach Earth. There would be like delays because it takes so long for even just an email to be sent back and forth. Yeah, Elon Musk was on Joe Rogan talking about colonizing Mars. Yeah, I think it's possible. It's just I think that's not going to happen in our lifetime either. No, because once you get to Mars, you can't leave. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think about like how are you gonna you're gonna build a city on Mars? Again, I, th- I think it's possible. <laughs> is, is it practical? No. <laughs> you could, like, piece it together down here and then just, like, drop it off. Yeah, pretty much. You could Amazon it. Yeah. 
Bezos rocket. There you go. Are you going to have like Amazon Mars delivery? Maybe. Build a like fulfillment You know, that's what there. the starships remind me of. Of Amazon? No, of um, the Mars rover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So like I'll be like walking through campus at nighttime and I'll see the little starships yeah. like running around dr- delivering food. He, he just died, right? Like the Mars rover just, quote, died. Yeah. I think so. Have you seen that? It's the saddest it's video so sad. Seen. Like they play Married Life from Up. Yeah. The piano version. <laughs> it, and it's like, I'm going offline now. Yeah. I'm getting tired. Yeah. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> so there's just. This it was so sad. The, the world's favorite robot is just rolling around. He's just up there on Mars dead. Yeah. How does that work, though? Like, wasn't he solar-powered? I guess, but I think, like, the cells died. Yeah. Something like that. I don't really know much about solar energy. When was he sent in? Like, I think I remember him being... You're asking too many questions (laughs) that I have to Google, and I don't have Jacob here. (laughs) You got me on space, and Uh, now it's like... When did the Mars rover... Because I feel like... When did the Mars rover... I remember watching it or something being sent. He went up, he, above the cert, wait, is that, is that right? Yeah, he he ended with the rover safe, yeah, so it took off, but it landed on August 5th, 2012. Yeah, like, I, I thought I remembered it happening. But when did it die now? Oh, wait. I think there's more than one. Yeah, I think so. There's three rovers currently on Mars as of January 2023. Curiosity, Perseverance, and the Zerong. So, I mean, yeah, I guess they... I mean, because you know that, like, the Mars rover is a whole separate thing, right? Like, they're looking for water. Yeah. They're just chilling, looking for water. Yeah. So, what are the starships on campus actually looking for? Food. Probably not like, what if they're like just spying on everybody? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the UNCC conspiracy yeah, of the robots. It's like the Amazon Alexa conspiracy. I don't have Alexa. My parents' house does. That, and we were talking about the TikTok thing, right? Mm-hmm. Alexa's the uh, 100% a surveillance. Oh yeah. Thing. It it openly states that it listens to you. Yeah, I have Google Hub Nest. Mm. So I use that, and it's totally listening to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, what is it? Your phone, your watch, your AirPods even, if you have AirPods, TV. Yeah. You can go into that rabbit hole. <laughs> That's deep, though. Yeah. That's like a whole separate one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, now it's like technology in space. Now on Mars... They're going to have cameras everywhere. Why would you say that? Because, I mean, like, what happens if you get sucked out of, like, into the atmosphere? They got to have it on camera. Have you seen that, um, what's the name of the movie? Um, with, what's his name that plays the Born Identity guy? Oh, um, are you talking about, um, is it Martian? Yeah. With Matt Damon? Martian, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I heard it was good. Great movie. I heard it was good. Great movie. But, I mean, kind of same thing happened to him. He really got sucked out into space. Low-key, but not. 
how do you low key get sucked <laughs> out in space, but then not? Like those that doesn't make you like once you get sucked out in like, space, you can't come back. Like he built, they had like a, I don't know, like a station, I guess, set up on Mars. And then I don't want to give the movie away if you well, haven't seen it. Although I can't talk because, what is it? They Disney ruined Star Wars, and I said what I said because Carrie Fisher, when she died in real life, they like CGI'd her character. She got sucked out of the window, and then they like. I know that was the terrible way to go. That was by far the worst thing I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. I agree. And I've then never they, seen anything. And then worse. they killed off. Um, Han Solo. I I saw I saw the Human Centipede, mm-hmm. and that was not as bad as the Disney Star Wars. <laughs> That's saying a lot. And the Human Centipede was the worst <laughs> disgusting movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think they were bad. They definitely could have been better. Oh my god! I I don't think the Force Awakens was terrible. Yeah, but I think like once it they was, got to the third movie, it was the best of the Disney. Yeah. I agree. But then they like tried to play into that whole well, we're building a new brand in the third movie and it just didn't so work. So h- here's the two issues that I had was they used terminology in The Force Awakens that was not Star Wars. Like when that guy tells a joke and he's like, I believe you just got trolled. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not yeah, Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. That's not how they talked. Mm-hmm. And then when they did like the whole, what is it, the third wave, the fifth wave, where they made it look like the Nazis. Oh, in yeah, the third, yeah, yeah. That was very, very weird. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Like, that just shows you have no creativity. Mm-hmm. You have to like make it look like something that already happened. Mm-hmm. I also hate how they like ended that series with her like. I haven't seen it past. I haven't I haven't watched past was it the last Jedi? Yeah, maybe. Is it the last is it I don't I'm not good with the one with, with like Yoda. Orders. I think it's the last Jedi. Not the last Skywalker or the Skywalker rises. Yeah, that's I, the one I'm talking about. I haven't seen the very last one. Yeah, I've I think the ending of it was terrible. <sighs> but <laughs> And then, like, the whole emperor guy, like, the CGI emperor. emperor oh, my guys, God. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then they, they tried just to ha- bring him back. And and they had to bring back Darth Vader. Yeah. That was just a... I'm not even I mean, I see it. what they were trying to do, but it wasn't really executed very well. No, it was terrible. Yeah. It was horrible. And as people are probably going to be pissed, but, like, I hated Disney Star Wars. Star Wars when died. When did Disney up. take over Star Wars? It had to be 2012. Yeah. It was like 2012. Yeah. George Lucas sold out. Yeah. I prefer like the prequel ones. I like three. Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Anakin was always the man. Yeah. Those were my favorite. Hayden Christensen crushed it. I think so too. Him and... um. Natalie Portman, I think, was... God, she, man, when she was, like, our age, she was a fox. <laughs> she was the she was the original Megan Fox. I, I would say that about Hayden Christensen. <laughs> she was the original. And then there was Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Dude, and he was fire. Uh-huh. I mean, just like the other and movies he's been Liam into. had Liam Neeson in it, too. You know, I never really liked him in Star Wars. 
I never really cared. But then, like, as I saw Taken, yeah. it's like, dude, this, du- this dude, and, like, his whole personality yeah. in Taken is, like, how I am in real life. Yeah. It's like, get away from me. I want to be left alone. Yeah. Like, get away from me. Uh-huh. Like, I want to live alone with my one lamp. Yeah. And read my karaoke machine instructions. Yeah. Um, no, he's a great actor. He, um, there was a movie... I forgot the name of it, but he's on a plane and he plays like a sky marshal who's afraid to fly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets all those text messages. Uh-huh. Now that movie was weird. Yeah. That movie's weird. And then there's another one of him on a train. Uh-huh. It's like, man, he has he's, some... Yeah, the same like, idea. Really bad luck riding public yeah. transportation. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if I see Liam Neeson on, a, on like the light rail, I'm getting off. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it's going to end uh-huh. well. If he gets on a plane with me, I'm getting off. Yeah. Like, I'm be like, actually, never mind. Because it just seems like he has the worst look. Yeah. Um, same thing with I The Rock. With, uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, no. Absolutely like not. Like, him in planes. <laughs> like, it's, it doesn't go Captain well. Phillips. Like, yeah. he either lands on the Hudson, crashes <laughs> on a deserted island. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think I'll be traveling with Tom Hanks either. either. It would be a pretty cool flex, though. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm good. Um Yeah, I'm I'm I I um don't think I can survive on a deserted island. I think I'd make it for a while, but then I'd just get like bored. Yeah, I would eventually be like, you know what, F this. Yeah. Like at some point I'd be like, die. I I'll try and swim for it. <laughs> Build a raft or something. Oh yeah, if I'm gonna die, I'm not gonna die. Exactly. Land. I'm gonna die out in the middle Going of the ocean trying to. something. And if I'm never seen again, so be it. Yeah. Like if I get swallowed by a whale or like yeah. a great white shark, so be it. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna die on an island just chilling. I agree. I I feel like I could, I'd go for a while on the island and then realize that nobody's coming for me. Have you seen Castaway? Oh yeah, what that's a it? staple in my house. So what was now. in the box? In the box. The one that he saved. With the wings on it, I don't. I don't remember. What? The staple in your household. The I box. Know. The box that he saved. They drops off in the end. I was that kid that would hate on it just because my parents loved it. You don't remember the box with the wings on it? Oh, I remember the box that you're talking okay, about. Okay, so what was in it? I don't remember. He didn't open it though. Yeah. So I mean, what I do you think was in it? That's more what I meant to say. Oh, I. Don't, I don't know. There's like all the, the you know like. It, it's been a while since there's I like all it. these movie endings and stuff or like explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like thinking about it, right? Like what was in that box? And it actually came from like the chick's husband who was sleeping with another woman in Russia. Remember that? Yeah. So it's like, what was actually in there? You know? Oh, or I, I think it was supposed to be sent to the husband. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie Arrival? With Jeremy Renner? No. Yo. Wait, was it with Natalie Portman? No, not Natalie Portman. It has Amy... Amy... Andrew... Amy Adams? Adams? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's like the big big thing like comes down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That movie is... Whoa. Yeah, that one is kind of crazy. That one is like... It's like the first time I saw Shutter Island. I haven't seen that. What? What? Shutter Island, dude, is like one of those movies you have to watch several times. But you sit there. Dude, I remember for Arrival. I watched Arrival by myself. I don't get emotional during movies. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't. Um, the Passion of the Christ I got really emotional in. Yeah. For obvious reasons. But when I watched Arrival and like the whole part like show you know it's like you're seeing the kid and like all this kind of stuff and all of a sudden here comes jeremy renner in the flashbacks and you're like are you kidding me yeah you're like are you kidding me and uh, yeah i mean that's just like freaking wild yeah but i i do like there's a couple things in the movie that really stand out is i love how they try to understand what the aliens are saying yeah. And they almost like create the language. Mm-hmm. Think that's fascinating. Yeah. But that movie's a total mindfuck. It is. So it is Shutter is. Island. I I've never seen it. You've got to watch Shutter Island. I know. I haven't seen like a lot of classic movies. It's not really classic. I know, it's but like a lot of like my parents <laughs> are disappointed in me. They're like, How have we not shown you some of these you've movies? You've got to watch Shutter Island. I'll add it to the list. Do it. I mean, my favorite movie is Gladiator because I like historic type mm-hmm. movies. I like movies like Fury. Yeah. With Brad Pitt. Yeah. Really, any World War II movie. I don't even care if it's like an independent film. I'll watch it. Yeah. I mean, I I love history. I mean, majoring. Have you seen of... Inglorious Bastards? Again, like what? Not not, <laughs> not fully. And just like that, <laughs> folks, we're finished. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I told you a lot of people are disappointed in movies <laughs> I haven't seen. So and I consider myself a movie person. Quentin Tarantino, you know who Quentin Tarantino yeah. is, right? Like he made Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. There's a guy named Christoph Waltz who plays Colonel Hans Landa. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of the movie, it is one of the greatest written, acted scenes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, I'm not going to give it away. I mean, I, I've definitely heard you have about it. You've got to watch it. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Christoph Waltz is the one guy I wish I could go to lunch with. Interesting. That's not true. I mean, I'd go to lunch with a couple different people. Yeah. Who would be at your, quote, table? How many people? Like three? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with three. Uh, well, yeah. I honestly, like, I'm not saying this just because, like, he's – a president but jimmy carter i mean the guy's like 99 yeah like he that's 99 years of stuff mm-hmm. you get to listen to yeah um i don't know but i really actually would like to have ha- have had lunch with jfk interesting Be like why did the cia kill you yeah see i was gonna say like <laughs> one of my like historical ones was gonna be ronald reagan i love ronald reagan i think he would be really interesting to talk to yeah. Yeah, I've seen like some old school interviews with him and Tom Brokaw. Mm-hmm. The 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 classic age of journalism when yeah, you could actually yeah, talk yeah, without yeah. people interrupting you and didn't mm-hmm. ask like slanted questions. Slanted rhetorical So, uh what you're trying to say is Yeah. Have you seen that interview with Jordan Peterson? Yes. That has to be the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, did you see the new one with uh, Elon Musk and no. the BBC reporter? No. Elon Musk like went in on this BBC reporter. It's kind of funny. Have you seen um, Piers Morgan go up against Andrew Tate? Uh, I think I've seen clips, not the full thing. I was talking, I forgot who I was talking with, but 
if you're able to look past Andrew Tate's sexist, misogynist, which I think all that is a front. I don't think he's actually that way. Mm-hmm. I think he just does all that to make himself popular because mm-hmm. it sells. Be controversial. Yeah. But if you listen to a lot of the intelligent, like the deeper meaning of the things he talks about, he's actually spot on. Oh, I agree. I, I'm one of the few females that are like, what he's saying is not that far off. Yeah. I think if you're intellectually able to block out all of the junk that he that he is acting like and you're able to actually think on what he says Mm -hmm. it's very very smart yeah i agree it's very uh thought out yeah in history context i think he's a total con artist but i agree um he went up against pierce morgan and pierce morgan he's weird he's an odd one to me because he has like certain viewpoints um and can speak from both sides. I was gonna well. say he he tends to change his opinions based upon who he interviews. I agree. Uh, here recently, he hasn't. I feel like he's kind of because he's gotten called out on it. Yeah, I feel like he's sticking a little more to his opinion. Um, but he's an odd one to me. I I don't really pay attention to him. I think he's another one who puts up a front for ratings. Yeah. Uh, which I think a lot of the, all those guys do now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Fox and Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and like all these right. political talk shows, these political opinion shows. It's just people putting up fronts. I agree. You know, do they actually yeah. believe it or like, you know, it's one of those things. But I think here recently. Um, we're getting a more natural form of media, um, like the Joe Rogan podcasts of the world. There's like unedited, average people, people who are experts in their field coming and talking. Um, just because people are tired of listening to the media, mainstream media being shoved down our throats all the time. Like you have companies like Daily Wire going off and doing their own thing, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. We're get. I feel like we're getting a more diverse. I don't know how to put it. I think that's why podcasting has been so popular lately. Yeah, is because it. You know the main, my main goal with creating this podcast was. You know, obviously, like I've been here for four months. And there's thirty one thousand students that go here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the conversations that I have with people is, I'm just lonely. Yeah. At, I mean, I think that's a big issue at UNCC. Yeah. Because it's a very big commuter school. And that's why, like, I started the Crenn Project is because it's it's not about me or boosting my ego or whatever. The Crenn Project just kind of stuck, you know. Um, it's more about having candid unedited conversations like this with people that I don't really know mm-hmm. you know because you and I have never really talked outside of this right we've never gotten to talk outside of this and I think it's different it almost becomes scripted when you're friends with somebody and then you bring them on the show my goal is to bring people on the show that I'm not friends with that I have no connection with and build that connection. 
right within the 45 minutes to an hour i mean we've been talking for an hour and a half it feels like it's been much shorter than that yeah um because i think there's chemistry in the conversation i think like i don't i'm not a big texter right like people say i'm a dry texter and that's fine i agree i'll take it mm-hmm but these are like how I thrive. Like I can have face-to-face conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take someone to dinner and be like on my phone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to sit and engage in the conversation to the point where yeah. I love my foods to the point where I actually would like ignore my food to engage in the conversation. And I think unfortunately where we are as a as a school but also as universities across the country is we're so disconnected from each other because we're only indulged in the conversations and the connections we create on our phones. I agree. I had this conversation with one of my friends the other day saying like, what do you think would be the perfect time to grow up in? And we both said like the eighties, nineties, you had modern technology, um, to a sense, but you also had to communicate with people. You had to interact with people, be social, not rely on internet, cell phone, and I I don't know. I agree with you. I prefer having that connection, and I think that's a huge reason for the mental health crisis right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy. I mean, I, I get really sad when I, you know, I lost one of my close friends to suicide back in 2017. Sorry. And I think suicide is the loneliest way to go. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, swimming off a deserted island and dying in the ocean that way. You can claim that's a lonely way to die, but I think when you get to a point where you feel like there is nothing left, whether friendship or relationships or family or academically there's no money to be made when your only option is to take your own life that has to be such a dark place to be i mean i almost consider that to be hell on earth yeah because you know the bible talks about how hell is this lonely you know pit of despair where you know only sadness happens And I think social media has created this unstoppable pattern of loneliness and depression based upon how we perceive ourselves through other people's eyes. I agree. Um, It also doesn't allow us to get that actual, like, satisfaction of an interaction. Yeah. Like, you'll get that little dopamine hit from the one text or whatever. But that only lasts for a few seconds. Whereas, like, if you actually go out and interact with people, like you said, we've been here for what? Almost. Yeah, like an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Like, it's a different satisfaction mentally. Yeah. Like, and you don't get that through the internet. No, and I think, like, um, you know, you think about Instagram. You post a picture... 80 people like it. Mm-hmm. So through one action, just liking a photo, you get your satisfaction from that. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person where like, like it's graduation season, right? 
everybody's taking their graduation pictures. Mm-hmm. I walk by like guys that are taking some pictures, girls that are taking. I'm like, hey, congratulations, guys! You know that you guys look awesome. Like your dresses are great. Your suit look awesome. Looks awesome. Yeah. You know because that is a personable connection that I'm building with those people for 2.3 seconds. Yeah. And honestly, that one interaction would make their day. And it's a, but it's a genuine interaction. Yeah. It's not this. We talk about we we're talking about AI. Mm-hmm. When you go on social media and you comment or you like somebody's photos or posts, it is a automatically generated conversation slash connection you're building with somebody else. It is not a personal connection. I don't care if you message that person on Messenger for two years. It is not a personal connection. I agree. That is an automatically generated connection you're having with a person. Mm-hmm. It's not a, what you and I are doing right now is a physical interaction, is a physical action of talking and connecting and building chemistry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. It's, it's unfiltered. Right. Everything on the internet is filtered right. to make you seem the best version of yourself. You know, and that's why, like, I have seen a lot of, like, suicide prevention videos like where oh the person's sitting on the side of the bridge and the cop goes and talks to them or somebody goes and talks to them it's there's a reason why they do the personal interaction yeah it's been proven psychologically like if you just toss a phone to -hmm. somebody they're gonna jump yeah like nine times out of ten they're gonna jump but no if you go and actually talk to them that's why like when people are sitting alone like having lunch Mm mm-hmm Dude, I'll walk up as long as they're not don't have their earbuds in. Yeah. I'll walk up and be like, yo, hey, how's it going? Can I stay here for like five minutes? Mm-hmm. And usually they're pretty cool about it. I do that like every Wednesday. Yeah. It's I'll awesome. I'll go and sit in the science building, do my work, and then I'll have like maybe two other girls that'll walk up. Can I sit here? Sure. Yeah. The only time I don't do that is when I'm in the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm just like yeah. trying to be left alone. But I mean, even on the bus, like I'll start talking to the bus drivers. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, what up? Yeah. I mean, that's really where I get excited. Mm-hmm. That's why I started this podcast was to not bring friends on, was to create friends while mm-hmm. we're here. I mean, like in the hour and a half we've been hanging out, like I already feel like I've known you for like three or four years. Yeah. Like it's wild. Yeah. And th- and that's the theme that I have every time I do one of these recordings or do one of these podcasts. By the hour and a half, two hours, however long it is, I feel like I've known the person I'm talking to for like forever. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I I think we lose that a lot in classes and society and like UNCC specific. Like I feel like a lot of the online assignments just don't allow that connection and discussion to be had. Yeah. Because like I'm in a international human rights class right now um an international human rights law Ooh, I bet that's and <laughs> heated <laughs> but emotionally it's charged exactly but class. it's all online that so sucks. so you're not like truly getting your take on the issue across yeah because it's just then it just becomes online arguing again yeah which i think really hinders Again, that connection. That's why I struggle sometimes with doing discussion posts. 
I hate them. You know, I understand the method behind discussion posts that most professors use them to see your writing style so that way you're not going and writing fake papers at the end of the semester. Like, I understand that. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to connect with people during discussion mm -hmm. posts because it's just so easy, especially when you can start off your sentence with, I like what you're saying, yeah. but I disagree. Yeah. that's You're not really getting the chance to tell them why you disagree. You're having to type out in formal sentences. Mm-hmm why you disagree mm -hmm. and i think that like that's a big issue with discussion posts especially in like the class that i mentioned but also you lose the form of a debate because then it just becomes i'm just gonna go back and forth and argue with this person because i think my way is right rather than having the conversation in person or like as a class letting someone's viewpoint be heard emotionally rather than just reading words. Do you think that's why debates, press conferences are the way they are now? This and and Q&A sessions, right? Like they're this nasty almost like clap back and forth argument. It's not a real debate. Do yeah. you think that's why we're at where we're at? I wouldn't say that's why. Um, I think it's just because we've become so polarized. Mm. Um, there's no middle ground anymore. You're not allowed to have an opinion that is more nuanced than one side or the other. Do you think that's because you live in fear of the other side disagreeing with you or your own side disagreeing with you? Because I've I've seen a theme in that. That if you, you agree with what the other side has to say, your team's going to turn on you. Not me personally. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I started Turning Point USA at Charlotte. Because uh -huh. um, I'm of the opinion, opinion, if you don't really like my viewpoints on things, I don't really care. Uh -huh. Because that's my viewpoint. Uh -huh. I don't have to agree with everything that you think, right? Uh -huh. And I think we lost that in our society um again because we've been so polarized but i do see where people i see it on campus a lot actually tabling for turning point people will be like oh i agree with you but i can't join because my friends won't like it yeah speak your mind yeah like you don't have to be you don't have to agree with everything someone says i think that's why we're in a tough position with the two-party system we have. I agree. Because it's like a Republican can't have lunch with Democrats. Mm -hmm. A Democrat can't have lunch with Republicans. Right. I try not to form my friendships that way. I Me don't personally. Um, I but I know people <coughs> that do. Yeah. Um, I think we all are saying the same thing. I think we just have different ways of getting our point across. To an extent, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, unfortunately, like you said, there's no middle ground. Mm -hmm. It's like, my island is a five-star resort. No, my island's a five-star resort. Mm -hmm. But then, like, you're only looking at the, t at, at the water in between. You're not looking at the rest of the island that makes up the entire continent. Do you mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think we, we're so focused on the divide of where the water and the two tips of the island meet that we don't understand that there is a middle ground mm -hmm. that connects the two islands together. Which is where I think most of the country is. Yeah. 
but the media only shows us the two polarizing aspects of it. You know, I believe in a free press. I agree. I do. I believe in a free press. I've, I've said it before. I believe in people being able to say whatever they want, I, even if it's mis, misinformation or, or unfactual. I mean, I, I, that's fine. Yeah. But I think new journalism is not what old journalism is. Mm-hmm. New journalism is this almost like it's not even journalism. It's almost like an I gotcha. Uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's almost like this. This they want to catch you saying something that you yeah. wouldn't normally say. Yeah. It's not about investigating the truth. It is about it's it's to bring down the other side. Yeah, it's about exposing. That's that's what that's what media is now. It's it's all about exposing stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's true or false. That's why I hate the news now. Yeah, I don't I don't watch. A lot like of news. I I can't like my mom is big on turning on the six o'clock news. Like I yeah I I, l- I leave the room. Like I can't I can't listen to it because even local news is so politically charged. And, like, my dad's favorite thing to, like, I guess bring up or say that he remembers is, I can't even remember the guy's name, but um, a news reporter in, like, the 70s, 80s. Is it Peter Jennings? I don't know. Sorry, I love all those older guys. I don't know. Maybe. Um, But he would just say the news. He'd tell you the story and let you form your own opinion, and his, like, tagline was, give me 60 minutes and I'll give you the world or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not a big media person, but cause like, I think when Peter Jennings died, I think that was kind of the death of old journalism. And that's when we started moving into this new wave of journalism now. And I'm not knocking all journalists. I'm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because there are some really good journalists out there. Yeah. Some really good modern journalists. Like the guy who now has Peter Jennings' old position, um, David Muir from yeah. ABC. Yeah. He is probably the best of the best. You know, he does have his faults. He does have his bias. See, I was about to say I don't like David You Muir. don't like him? I don't like See, him. I See, think, I think as far as just being informative goes i guess i it may be abc that's behind why i don't like i think if he kind of did his own free-forming type stuff like i've heard he's been on a couple podcasts before mm. and just hearing him talk like you can tell he is not about the new modern day i gotcha movement yeah he is he has said before i'm, str- I'm strictly about reporting the facts that's why i don't write my own stories mm-hmm See, I haven't, like, watched any interviews or, like, any podcasts that you've yeah. done. I just, you know, my mom will turn on that 6 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> ABC, David Muir. And I just can't, like, I can't listen to it because I feel like ABC's agenda is just being pushed across all the time. You know, I watched, I, so when Trump got indicted, mm-hmm. or when he went to, went, to, went to New York for his yeah. indictment, I watched the same clip on multiple stations and every single person who was reporting on it had something nasty negative funny to say about trump but david muir was simply like he went into the courtroom and he went out of the courtroom he didn't go off and be like oh yeah this is the first time he's had to hold a door open by himself you know that he didn't do that he literally just said this is what happened this this and this right 
and that's when I that's when I was like, okay, well, cool. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how it should be. Right. And he was the only one to do that. He didn't go off on this one-sided thing like, yeah, we hate Trump or like, I love Trump. You know, he didn't, he didn't go off on either side. He just simply mm-hmm. said he went in, they arraigned him, and he left. Mm-hmm. It was that simple. Um, I think I think when he did get emotional or when he did get personal is when the Tennessee shooting happened. But that involves mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Who's not going to get emotional? Mm-hmm. As somebody who goes to the gun range and shoots guns, you know, that's that's hard to see. Yeah. You know, I get emotional thinking about that. Yeah. And again, it's being used as a political pawn, mm-hmm. which is horrendous. Like what yeah. what have we become? You know, like it, I th- I don't have words for what people are using that story for. Yeah. I I mean, obviously like I get I get sad when I think about children being slaughtered, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's done by a gun or not. Yeah. Um, because it happens all over the world. Mm-hmm. It happens on the streets of Chicago every day. Mm-hmm. It happens on the streets of Detroit. It even happens here in Charlotte every day. Mm-hmm. You know, children are exposed to all kinds of forms of abuse, not just with firearms and gun violence here in Charlotte, at least. Um, and I know because I work in the security industry mm-hmm. and I see that stuff on a daily basis, but it's hard. I think whether you're in media or you're in law, whether you're in security, whether you're in teaching, whether you're in sports, you're in, you know, um, physical fitness or whether you're into this, this, and this, it's hard to see anything like that happen to children mm-hmm. in the one place that should be safe mm-hmm. the school system yeah um you know it's hard to see children who go someplace to feel safe and learn and it's hard to see that kind of thing happen mm-hmm. and i have a two and a half year old niece you know my brother nick he has a kid and she's probably one of the most beautiful children i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. and I, whenever something like this happens, I think of my niece, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's heartbreaking because it's like, imagine being the person that goes back and tells a mom and dad that their kid's not coming home. Yeah. You know, and like I said, regardless of whether it's from gun violence or a crazy person with a knife or whatever. You know, do I think that we need to make changes with gun gun laws? Sure. Because it's not a perfect system. Mm-hmm. You know, as somebody who goes to the gun range who owns guns, it's not a perfect system. Yeah. You know, it's not a... It's not a system that is flawless. There are things we need to do. But again, our politicians can't find a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Because it's this tug-of-war battle to see who has the longer rope. Right. And it's sad. I agree. That, you know, we can blame the gun, we can blame the person, but the reality is I blame the politicians. I agree. It's their fault. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that should be held accountable. Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones that, like, regardless of my opinion of it's the guns that kill people or the people that 
use the guns to kill people regardless of all that mm-hmm. it is the politicians fault yeah because they sit up in capitol hill or in raleigh or where all these other places are and they're more excited about arguing with each other than they are about making changes mm-hmm. yeah you would think the school shooting issues would bring them together to try right. and find a common ground it's just causing more division right because one side is saying we need to arm schools so this doesn't happen well it shouldn't happen in the first place and then you have the other side saying we need to just get rid of all guns but like that doesn't solve anything right i, I agree with you there does need to be changes but the minute election time rolls around or our oil reserves are starting to get weak mm-hmm. or their bank accounts start getting used. Yep. Then it's time to do something. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, until it directly affects them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just sad. I mean, I wish, you know, a lot of people, I think it, we were t- I was talking with somebody about student government yesterday and I looked at like the numbers from it. I think it was like something like 500 people voted in the election. We go to school with 31,000 people. I was one that didn't vote. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you think about how many people live in America that mm-hmm. don't vote. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I just think if we would learn to see that middle ground like you were talking about, we wouldn't have to work so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right there in front of our nose. You know, I just think if we if we learn to see that middle ground, it would be a lot easier. But what keeps them in office is the division. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think there are genuinely some politicians who want to change stuff. There are a few um, like I can't I can't remember his name. Um, he's a actually a representative for the state of North Carolina. Um, he's one of the few that tries to bring that middle ground to the everyday working class person by sitting down and talking to the camera saying this is what's happening in Capitol Hill right now this is what we're trying to do this is what the law states and here's what i think about it here's what you should think about it yeah like and i think that's where we lose a lot of that connection to our government i think it's also where we lose a lot of connection to each other mm-hmm. you know i think it i mean i'm all i've i've become obsessed with learning about the scientific effects of connection mm-hmm. right like i mean like i said i was talking about connection in this podcast and that's why i started it and it's like i was reading a some literature on um like the psychological effects of being disconnected from people mm-hmm. and it drops your serotonin so low that it almost puts you in a state of automatic depression Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah like there's times right like where like these podcasts kind of like keep me going like these conversations right mm-hmm. like when i'm not having a recording session with somebody for more than like four or five days bro i'm like create my battery is running low like i'm like i gotta get to the studio i gotta yeah. get to the studio like there's times where i'll come down here late at night and i'll record myself I don't know. I'm too introverted for that. <laughs> See, it would be so, if I if I like played some of like the conversations I've had with myself, it'd be so weird. <laughs> I've actually turned on like Joe Rogan before. 
and like put my phone up against the microphone, uh-huh. like where you're sitting, yeah, and like played it back, just to talk to myself. I do find myself kind of debating those podcasts too, like on my own. Is like, there any one particular that you like, like one of Joe Rogan's? Like guess. Yeah, or just like clip or whatever. Um, I love when he has Jordan Peterson on. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I enjoyed ha- when he had what's his name from CNN on um, that attacked him oh. for using ivermectin. What is his name? Uh, had you not said it, I would have remembered. Yeah, I I can't remember his name either. That was an interesting episode to me. He's because you see how intelligent he is, but you also see how the media can sway your opinion on a subject. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, I was trying to Google it and see who you're talking about. Is it, no, I know exactly who you're talking about. What is his name? Um, It's like their medical analysis guy. It's, it, is it, uh, who is it? Is he on here? I don't know. I didn't realize they had so many people work there. Chris Wallace works for CNN now. Apparently. That's weird. (laughs) That's the other thing is like they go back and forth so much. Oh, yeah. Like newscasters, like they switch. Yeah. They switch like sides too many times. I I can't keep up with that. I know exactly who you're talking about. It's. um, Yeah. Uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Gupta. Yeah. That, That one was interesting to me. Um, I also like when he has, you know, the typical political pundits on, um, like the Candace Owens and the Ben Shapiro's and the, um, I can't remember the other CNN guy he had on too. Yeah. There's the other guy I'm trying to think of who, um, I, I just like hearing both sides. He's very, very liberal, but I actually really like his opinions on a lot of stuff is, um, what is his name? Uh, but he has the talk show. He has yeah. the late night talk show. Yeah. I think you know what I'm talking about. He uh-huh. was on Joe Rogan. That's the guy I'm talking about. Um, I think. I'm trying to pull him up. Oh, this is. I need Jacob back. We're gonna have to have him on episode five. I'm just trying to see. Joe Rogan guests. What is his name? It's gonna click so easily when we see it. Yeah. And that's like, that's. Bill, um, no, not Bill. Who is it? What is his name? He's had so many people on. It's crazy. Like I said, I can't keep up. Because he brings out his podcast like almost every day now. Oh, yeah. And they're like four hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, uh, is it Bill Maher? Bill Maher? He's a late night comedian. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's. Is it Bill yes, Mayer? he is very liberal, though. I, I think that's who you're thinking Bill of. Bill Mayer. Yeah, Bill yeah. Mayer. That's who I'm thinking about. Yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Bill Mayer. His was actually super... I actually really liked that conversation he had with him. See, I thought his conversation was very good, too. But then he goes back on his show and then flips opinion. Yeah. So, like, that's I can't, why I I like can't get Rogan's. a good read on him because he'll say one thing personally but then he'll go on his show and say what his writers wrote and what he wrote for the show 
That is the complete opposite. But that's why I like Joe Rogan's podcast so much. Mm-hmm. Is because that's when people really seem to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's honest. It's because you're having a yeah. conversation. They don't, and like on his show, he's got writer. you know, Bill Mayer's got writers and he's got producers. And I would say probably 90% of the stuff he says is not even his own. Mm-hmm. It's written for him. Yeah. That's why I don't really like look at people like Jimmy Kimmel or anybody like that and be like, okay, well, this is a personal. I think a lot of it is the writers, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, a lot of these late night talk shows that are really late night political shows um people like rachel maddow and sean hannity and tucker carlson people like that is it really their opinions or is it the opinions of their writers that they hire right so in essence it's kind of like a reflection the writers are writing things that are reflection of the person Mm -hmm. right like tucker carlson's writers are writing stuff that is a reflection of how Tucker Carlson feels Mm -hmm. just because he says it may not necessarily be that's 100% what he believes but it is in the same kind of pond you're swimming in the same pond with that opinion does that make sense Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where these political talk shows are yeah but I think on Joe Rogan it's so unscripted it's Mm -hmm. so behind the scenes and like you're so messy right like Mm -hmm. you're not made up you're just like yeah fresh out of the shower Mm -hmm. it's just like yo cool like this is me Mm -hmm. That's why I started this podcast too. Yeah. For that particular reason. Come as you are, not as how you should be. Yeah. That's my philosophy for the show. It's a good idea. Um, well, thanks so much for coming to hang out with me. Yeah. Like this no has problem. been super cool. Um, you'll definitely have to come back and congratulations on graduating. Thank you. Are you excited? I am. But you're even more excited to come back at the end of the summer. Not really. But are I you taking to. summer classes? No. Good for you. You're just um, gonna take a break. Yeah, just oh. take a break. Um I may do some lab work here and there, do some lab training, but... Are you going to go on vacation? I'm trying to. Nice. I don't know where. I went to... Uh, Charleston. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, Charleston's my, my hideaway. I enjoy Charleston. Folly Beach. I was about to say, if you say Sullivan's Beach, you lost me. No, I mean, I actually go to more like Kiwa Island. Yeah. Since... um. What is it? Sea, uh, Seabrook Island. Mm-hmm. Like those places where I go surfing. Yeah. Like right before a hurricane. Yeah. Um, I think it's just because I have so many Folly Beach traumatizing flashbacks at Sullivan. I am probably going to go to Folly Beach so I can see the um, the new pier. I haven't been out to Folly. Because you know they took the pier down. Did they? Yeah. When? Late 2020. Mm, they started in late 2020. Why. And so yeah, it's I think they're finished with it now. I haven't because they built a concrete one. Yeah, but they took the old one down. So sweet. Any last advice or words for people listening that you want to say? Not specifically. All right, cool. Kind of put on the spot. (laughs) No, you're good. Well, congratulations again on graduating. Thank you. Thanks again for coming to hang out with me. Thanks for having me. Awesome.